Welcome back to the Chi Alpha After Hours podcast, where we discuss relevant topics to help you follow Jesus through your college years and beyond. Your hosts today are Anna, Nathan, and Christian, and today we want to talk about evangelism, specifically what it is and why Christians are invited to do it. So, what is evangelism and why do we do it? Let's talk about it. Well, welcome, Christian and Nathan. We just got some coffee, so hopefully we Hello. a little bit more awake for this conversation. Really excited for it. Um, so let's just jump into our first question. How can we as Christians define evangelism and what, what impact has it had on your life personally? Well, not to get nerdy off the bat, but um, evangelism. Right, here we go anyway. Yeah, we're going into it, <laughs> going into the nerd out zone. So evangelism, the word itself, it comes from um, the word in the Bible called euangelion, which means like the good news. So you is like good, like, uh, you know, what's a good you word in English? What You know, euphoric. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Euphoric, EU, right? So euphemism. Euphemism, good thing. So it's you, one of favorite, Nathan's favorite words. Yeah. Euphemism? You say it a lot, yeah. Do I say it mm-hmm. a lot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not anyway. to be confused with ew. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway. So See, that's the word I use, euphemism. euphemism. <laughs> so, uh, euangelion. So, and then angelion means message. So, it actually means the good message. And actually, interesting enough, enough um, ang, angelios, like people, like a, a being, a messenger. It's also the word angel, ang, angelios. So, so good so, messenger. Good messenger. So, um, when you're called, like when we're called God's messengers, we're, you know, it's actually the same word as angel, or like. Um, so that's kind of a fun thing, just to think about. But the good news is essentially what it is, like the good message. And um, it, it particularly means like the good message of Jesus. And um, and I think like, so so what is evangelism? It's like that Jesus himself is called the word of God and that he came and that he, in a sense, like Jesus coming to us is this good word or this good message. And that um, after he's died and rose again, you know, he um, he gave it to all of his disciples to pass on this message of forgiveness and the teachings that he gave, um, the way of, a, of the righteous life, but also, but mostly this invitation back to the Father through what Jesus has done. And so in a sense, like the, doing evangelism is an extension, is, is it, it's a lot of things put together. It's the message of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation to follow Jesus. Um, but in essence, it's it's us offering people Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's presenting people with who Jesus is um, and speaking Jesus' invitation, even though he's not far really from any person. And he's been speaking to them and he's been inviting them, but it's it's our job to to um, message or or bring that invitation to like consciousness or to 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 speak it through words and communication. So that's what that's what evangelism is in a in a nerdy way, in a nerdy sense. So hmm. I would say evangelism is uh in our common way of thinking about it is the point or the effort, the specific effort in like the process of a person becoming an 
a Christian and following Christ. Christ. So this is how I think about it. So I don't know if, how like strictly biblical this is, but like I think of discipleship as like the whole uh, process of engaging any person at any point in their life mm-hmm. about Jesus, about God. Um, evangelism is more specifically the engaging a person about Jesus, about God, when they are not a believer. And that's, and then after they become a believer, it's what most people would call discipleship when you're engaging them. That's what most people, how most people think about it. And I don't think that's inappropriate to think of it that way. Another way that I think about evangelism, though, is like in line with how Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And he often uses like um, agricultural imagery. And so he, like in the parable of the sower, he's like the kingdom of God is like a seed sown in these various soils. Um, there's also the the, the man um, who plants his seed and he knows not how, but it grows and it bears fruit. Um, and so I think evangelism sometimes is just like telling people about God and telling people, and it's about seed planting and whether or not they have started following Jesus or not started following Jesus, we're always planting new seeds about God's goodness in a person and growing it. But I would say that for our common language, when people say evangelism, it is at that it is engaging with a person who is not a believer, has not accepted the Lord as their Lord and Savior, and um, helping them make that choice, uh, uh, facilitating that process of them making that choice. So, yeah, when I first heard the word evangelism my freshman year of college, um, it sounded like a really scary word, an intimidating word, and um, I'm 24 now, so that's what, like, six years, and I think it still sounds like a, a scary word to me um, because it's very action-packed, um, and I think with evangelism, it gives action to our words or to our beliefs. Um, I've heard a lot of Christians uh, or uh, people that know Christians say, well, if you believe this, like, why aren't you telling other people about it? And um, I think evangelism is getting, giving actions or feet to um, our faith. Um, And I think too, when I think about evangelism, uh, for me personally, um, I, I would hope that when I go out to talk to people, um, that I am doing my best to embody all that Jesus would be or is to the people around me. Um, So if I go sit with someone or talk with someone, um, basically what I'm doing is sharing, sharing my life with them. But really what is happening is they are getting to meet someone who is doing their best to be actively changed and grown and matured um, and refined by a person named Jesus. And um, 
there's this one verse uh, that Jesus and his spirit is the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. Um, and so when I think about evangelism, I think about I'm just getting to participate and help write the Jesus story, continuing to write it. Um, not like adding on to the Bible, but adding on to um, this idea that Jesus is in me and therefore I can go um, share about him with others and be uh, him to others. But I think really what it comes down to is that he is Lord. And so if something good happens, like it is because of Jesus. And so for me, like, and for all Christians now, um, we're all impacted by evangelism because how evangelism started, how hearing about Jesus and his good news started was Jesus coming and just being with his people. That's how it started. And that's how we know about Jesus today is because he told people about himself and about God. And then um, they heard that message and they told other people. And then those people heard that message and they told other people. Um, so really when I heard about Jesus from my parents, it was because other people had been brave enough for my mom anyway. Like my mom uh, had a roommate in college and she, uh, that roommate led my mom to the Lord. And wow. that's a big reason that I am here is because, um, you know, my dad was um, discipled and met the Lord in a college group. My mom was discipled and met the Lord in a college group at her school that she went to. Um, so just seeing this like even generational impact and um, it's really it's really powerful when we're willing to share our lives with others. Um, you never know what what can happen. And so I think that's where God can really come in and do something powerful when we surrender ourselves um, to him. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I when you talk about, you know, how your parents became Christians and that's like why you're even born, you know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, like for me, um, like I was invited to a church camp and I wasn't really a Christian. I wasn't following Jesus, but I wanted to see my my friend Ryan who was going to this church camp and, um, you know, so they had water skiing and stuff. So I went. Um, but while we were there, you know, the pastor was able, he just was willing to boldly share about the forgiveness of Christ and um, about who Jesus was. And he was aware that there would be people that would be there that didn't know Jesus. And he offered people opportunity to, to see what Jesus was about and then asked us if we want to accept him. And if he wouldn't have asked that question pointedly, confidently um, or to share about the good news of who Jesus is with me I wouldn't have said yes or I wouldn't have a transformed life you know but it was because he he offered me an invitation because he expressed who Jesus was and the opportunity that we had and um, that I was able to say yes and so that profoundly changed my life you know I've got a bunch of kids now and similar spot as you know you Anna like my kids are like there because you know 
me and Ramona like met during college. And um, so, I mean, for me, evangelism's impacted me. It, not Maybe not in a um, one-on-one setting, but somebody doing evangelism up front, like to a big group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I've seen um, through my years, there was a, when I was in college, my senior year, um, we had to, I had a really interesting situation where I had met this guy. There was, I took um, Imperial Russian history. That was my, I was a history minor and I really liked Russian history. So I took every class that they had at my school on Russian history. And so we had this Imperial Russian class and there was a guy in there named Jeff Brockmeyer. Now this is a guy who was in the class. <coughs> um, he was in the class because, um, he's a communist and he wanted to see like he wanted to move the United States towards socialism, you know, like, and he didn't know what he was going to do, but he wanted to be like, he was a hardcore hippie and he was kind of like on the more militant side and stuff. Um, and I saw him and he just had this countenance on him that was like cold, like hard. Um, Mm -hmm. and later I'd get learned that he was like really a real hippie and like, they would do these things every Saturday night called a sushi night where they would get together and um, the end of the night culminated in people making these California rolls and everybody would eat them together. But in the meantime, they all got really high and stoned and, and drank and stuff. And um, so it was like sushi night, but there was other things going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, But later, I, it turned out he lived in the same dorm as I did. And um, I got to meet him, and he started coming to CCF out of nowhere, like our our Chi Alpha group. Um, And he started coming because somebody had invited him to an Alpha class, like at a church. So, so what happened was he like he was reading. He he had come to a place in his like conspiracy mind thoughts and like internet research that the world was being totally run by like, like just like five people or whatever, you know, and he like had this whole conspiracy theories, like money, the, we have these five people that are controlling the whole United States and stuff. And he just like went down this crazy rabbit hole and he was talking to me about it. I was like, you know, have you ever read revelation? And so he's like, no, I haven't. He's like, that stuff's in the Bible. He's like, what? So he read the book of revelation. Oh my gosh. Now, I'm not trying to say anything about this, but I'm just trying to tell you his story, you know? He reads the book of Revelation, and he says, this is happening right now. I can't believe it. The Christians are right. Like, this is this is happening. The mark of the beast, all that. It's right now. And he didn't leave his room for three days, and he didn't eat. He felt so depressed and overwhelmed by, like, just the darkness in the world. And he had met somebody, like, not very long before, um, somebody who was a Christian. Anyway, and then he ended up reconnecting with that guy, and he said, hey, you want to try this Alpha class, which is a class that just kind of teaches the introductory thoughts of the Christian faith. So this guy, conspiracy theorist, hardcore Marxist. Hippie. Hippie. <laughs> smoking weed. Somebody who's like, you know, he believed religion was the opiate of the masses, you know, just a week ago. Now he's like, oh my goodness, it's prophesying about the situation we're in right now. Like he's like all over the place. And when somebody asked him, do you want to come to this class that teaches on the, on the Christian faith? 
at that moment, he was ready for a yes, to say yes, because he's given that invitation. And he went to Alpha, and over the next eight weeks or so, he gave his life to Jesus. And this guy who was like hard, like cold, all of a sudden he just knew joy. And if you were to meet this guy today, you'd say, this guy is a joyful guy. Now, he's he still a conspiracy theorist? Absolutely. Is he still crazy? Is he still quirky? Absolutely. Um, but And he tried so hard to reach out to his hippie friends, but they all rejected him because mm-hmm. how much he had changed and how much he talked about Jesus. Um, because he felt like he needed to do evangelism to them. But why do I share that story about the impact that had on me is because I'd seen this guy. And it's one thing to go through like saying yes to Jesus. And we're like, yeah, he's changed my life. You know, he's changed. But it's another thing to know that he's going to be good for others. Mm-hmm. And I've just seen other people absolutely transformed um, by the message of Jesus when we offer the invitation and share about who Jesus is and give them an opportunity to respond to him. It's, it's one of the most exhilarating things to see. All righty. So let's move on to um, the question, what does the Bible have to say about evangelism? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, I don't remember the scripture. Maybe you guys can help me with the reference. But um, there's this this prayer that we as Christians get to pray, that we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And something I was reminded of last week was... Um, that Jesus even has to transform how I think about other people before I go out and try to meet people. I think a big part of evangelism is just allowing Jesus to transform you, transform your thoughts uh, about the people around um, around you, around us. A story that comes to mind, um, Jesus would often be in certain uh, towns or villages or big cities um, while he was walking on this earth as a human. And this one story just really sticks out to me, the story of the woman that had been suffering from a medical condition for 12 years. And um, she goes up and she just touches the hem of his cloak. She had so much faith. Um, And Jesus was on his way to go do something else, to go help out someone else, but he turned around and he saw her. And um, I just think about, wow, how many opportunities do we have that other people brush shoulders with us or how many people, um, or how many people do we um, see or potentially reach out to in our classes or whatever that need the healing of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think the truth is every single person does, Mm -hmm. whether it's they've been struggling with a medical issue for 12 years or longer, or um, they're struggling with the idea of loss. I was talking with a friend recently, how she's struggling with the idea of losing her grandmother sometime soon. Um, There's just so many different kinds of pain, and there's, there's so much that Jesus can touch that other things in this world can't. Um, And so I think, yeah, I just think that's something that the Bible has to say about evangelism 
is that we have the opportunity to be aware of our surroundings, be willing to be interrupted, and be willing to offer that healing that Jesus does. Um, and that healing doesn't come from us. I mean, we, God can use our personalities and to love on people in unique ways. I really do think that certain people meet other kinds of people for specific reasons, just their personalities and the way God made them um, really helps them connect even more. But the, the truth is that, that Jesus brings the best thing. And what, what we, we would hope as Christians, I would hope is that um, they would be able to be touched by him living inside of us. And that's why I think being transformed personally by Jesus is so important. Um, I think the question of what does the Bible have to say about evangelism <clears throat> is actually in some ways uh, misrepresentative of the text in a way. So um, there are things that the Bible says about evangelism, but most of what we know about evangelism is actually in what the people in the Bible do. So, the to be clear, the Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations, which is an evangelistic statement. It's like, hey, there are people that do not know, are not disciples, and you need to go find them and go make them into disciples and baptize them in the name of the, whole, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, like, most of, evan the, most of what we learn about, like, the nature of evangelism and the how of doing evangelism is actually in what people do so like you have jesus who could have um you know and i think it's in mark chapter one like he heals um peter's mother-in-law and then there's like crowds that are just coming to him and then he goes off to a lonely place and then he comes back and prays in that lonely place and then he comes back and he says, hey, we got to go to the next town because that's my purpose. So instead of like staying where he's celebrated, where mm -hmm. he's known, mm -hmm. he goes to where he's unknown. Mm -hmm. um, you have Paul in First Thessalonians, which we've been going over this, um, this term. You have Paul who says um, that we gave our very selves in the process of evangelism. He doesn't say evangelism, but that's what it is that he's doing. In the giving of himself, he helps them understand the person of Jesus. Um, another good example, I think of actually the prophets of the Old Testament are actually evangelists. They were given a word by God, mm -hmm. and sometimes it wasn't always a happy word, I admit. But they were like, hey, I need to go and tell people what God has said. Mm. And they do it. Um, you have Hosea, who God is like, hey, go marry a prostitute and have children of whoredom, which I imagine was not very fun for Hosea. But mm. it's what God told him to do, to send, to tell the people, to show the people like what they were doing to God. Um, you have the prophet Elijah, who it's like, hey, go and... Tell Jezebel and Ahab that they're not great, to paraphrase. <laughs> and he does, and it becomes quite difficult for him. He ends up being hunted by Jezebel, and mostly Jezebel. Jezebel was kind of in the driver's seat of that relationship. Um, 
and um, um, you and why do I bring up these stories? It's I, I think Moses even is an example of evangelism. God tells him, "Hey, go tell people, let my people go. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go." And these are all like stories that express the idea of the gospel message. Actually, they're for foreshadowings of the gospel message. Mm-hmm. The story of Moses saying, "Let my people go," is like a story foreshadowing the bondage that Christ frees us from, the slavery that Christ frees us from. Hosea and his message is like a message of one God wanting us, even though we're like horrible um, spouses, sort of, is kind of what he's saying. Like, we're not very good followers and God still wants us. Um, yeah, and like a lot of these these stories of evangelism in the Old Testament are foreshadows, but in the New Testament and in the New Testament are also foreshadowings of like what it can be for us. So, I mean, the Thessalonians receive the gospel message and they're like joyfully being persecuted. Like they're hopeful and they're faithful. Like, I think all of us would be like, man, I wish I had the character of that person that Christian just told us about. I wish I was like not so bitter, not so angry at the world, not so like this or that. And Christ is like, we can, you can have that, but you have it with me, not without me. Mm-hmm. And so evangelism is about like bringing, as as Anna put it, is about communicating that and there being a cost to it. Mm-hmm. Like all of those people, there was a huge cost that I listed from the Bible. All of them had uh, gave uh, a great deal. Paul was stoned multiple times. In the book of the First Thessalonians, he's actually chased out of the town. There's a great cost to it. But it's so that, but it's a, evangelism is a prioritizing of, of the other and not the self. Yeah. And so like when you're looking at the Bible and you're like, well, what does the Bible say about it? There are things that it says, but pay attention to what, to what the people do and you'll find out a lot more. Yeah. I really like what you guys are saying. Cause like, Anna, you're talking about how it's like really transformational, like for you. And when you, when you do do evangelism it's a process of god changing you also like that in a way like you're you're trusting god in a new way you're participating with what god's done in you in a new way and it it changes your character and um so evangelism is a huge part of our formation Mm -hmm. um but then also like you know nathan sharing like there's so much evangelism like examples or or uh, examples of jesus god's evangelistic heart and you know, if you, to see a few of these examples, you can look look in the Book of Acts, where we can mm-hmm. see a lot of people do amazing things. You know, one guy's named Philip the Evangelist, and he's just got amazing stuff that he's done. Or the Apostle Paul, he would do all kinds of amazing feats of evangelism that you could look at. Um, but like looking at what they do, how they taught, like they're like good examples. How how Peter would would preach. But um, an interesting thing is like what we um, sometimes we try to when we think about like what we do in in our faith, we always try to find like a biblical basis for it. Like so there's been this thing called like the biblical basis for missions or for mission or for evangelism. 
Um, so like trying to find like, oh, how does the Bible say to do this? Does the Bible say we should do this? Um, I read this one book called The Mission of God. And in this book, it challenges the question of like us looking for a biblical basis of mission. And it says, actually, we need to look at the missional basis of the Bible and that the Bible itself is a missional document. Mm-hmm. You know, like all four of the God, they're actually called the four gospels or the four euangelions. Like they're the four evangelistic tellings of mm-hmm. who Jesus is, you know, or, you know, you think about all of Paul's letters, all of Paul's letters definitely have an evangelistic impetus to it or helping people develop or, or pressing them to share their faith. Um, or acts it's telling about how people were evangelistic and how the the church spread you know just like um nathan shared about exodus like that's god's evangelistic movement of liberation to the um the israelites in ancient egypt you know that and then it's written down so that future generations can be told you know, that the good news of God's liberation can be told throughout all time. And so when we do evangelism, we're joining in the very thing that God cares about. Like one of the Mm -hmm. main ways that God interacts with human beings is inviting them into this liberation, this freedom, this relationship that he's trying to recapture them, that this relationship we lost in the fall. And so this is the way that this is the way that God has chosen to bring redemption and healing to the world is through offering people this message and this invitation um, and then to receive it. I think um, just two other things that I think of when I think of this question, what does the Bible say about mission that I think is important is like one that there are actually some people in the Bible that are called evangelists. And, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you're like getting like, man, I just can't wait to do evangelism. Or I love going out and sharing with people. Um, you might you might be one of those people. You might, you know, like mm-hmm. it, like my friend, like our friend uh, mm-hmm. Hefe, Jeff Springer, mm-hmm. he is just, he's an evangelist. Like, mm-hmm. Shout out to Lynn Benton. Yeah, our Lynn Benton pastor out there. Yeah. He's like a gifted evangelist, you know, and I'm not as good at evangelism as he is. Um, I'm not as passionate about it, but he, he's interacting with people that would like rock me, you know, like, I'm like, well, how do you talk to that person? And he's like, what are you talking about? He doesn't even have an awareness mm-hmm. about how weird it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, God just gifts him in great ways of talking and sharing his life with people. And so like, so, you know, Hefe is this gifted evangelist and that, you know, I think actually in the way, and it's even called like an office like in Ephesians four, like there's these four offices and one of them is called the evangelist. And I, I just like, I think like in our modern church world, we don't make a lot of space for an evangelist as part of our, like, um, as a recognized part of our body or as somebody that, that is a pastor to us all or, or holding or leading the charge for us to do evangelism. And I think that's a failing on our modern day body of Christ is that we don't see that as a legitimate or uh, we don't put that up front as some, as a kind of leadership role. Um, in Ephesians four, when it talks about evangelism, 
an evangelist, it says that these people should be building up everyone else in maturity of the faith. So that, so essentially in America, like we want to like privatize everything. Like, oh, you're good at evangelism. Okay. You do that. You're good at teaching. You do that. That's not the picture that, that Ephesians or Paul or the New Testament church had. If you're an evangelist, then you're supposed to keep doing evangelism, but at the same time, helping those who aren't good at it, Mm -hmm. get good at it. Mm -hmm. Like maybe not get to the A plus level, but to the B minus, you know, C plus level, you know? Isn't the translation usually equipping, like equipping equipping the saints? Absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it it is building them up and Mm -hmm. equipping them. And so the idea is like, oh, you know, maybe, so I hope you hear two things. One is that, you know, that there are some people that are really good at this and those people, man, I hope, you know, you guys are hearing this. And if you feel like, I think I'm one of those people, then you should talk to your Corfa and say like, I think this is a gift. How can I continue to develop this? And how can I continue to run with this and help other people be better at this? Um, and so you should feel legitimized like that this is a valuable thing and mm-hmm. that we could nurture that. But if you're like, I'm definitely not one of those people, then what I'm saying is you need to find someone like Hefe Springer mm. and you need to have him get you to a B plus B minus like level of how to do evangelism because that's that's the kind of world that we're supposed to be in is that we're raising all of our gifts. We're raising each other up to mm. do these things. And evangelism is just a key part of God's heart. And every believer is supposed to be doing this. And so so it's okay to not be as good as others in this but it's not okay to not be adequate. Every believer needs to be able to share their testimony. Mm-hmm. Every believer needs to be able to share the gospel in some, some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, every believer needs to not be ashamed of their faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And those are not, those aren't, those are non-negotiable. So it's not just like, Oh, those are just for the professionals or for the really good ones. That's like bare minimum standard Christianity right there is that we we need to do those things. And there's plenty, many places, you know, Jesus says, he's who is ashamed of me. If, if someone's ashamed of me, my father will be ashamed of him on the day of judgment. You know, we need to be able to answer for our faith in the moment when it, when it comes. And that that's just part of us, like giving our lives to Jesus and putting our lot in with him and having allegiance to his lordship. And so, um, if you failed at that before, it doesn't mean it's over for you, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I was ashamed of him that one time. So was Peter. So were lots of people in the Bible. It's mm-hmm. okay. But that's not where we want to stay. Mm-hmm. And we want to move move on and grow. Neat. Well, I feel like we can just have a little pen drop after that, Christian. Oh, shucks. It's powerful. Um, okay, this is our final question. What does it look like for us as Chi Alpha people, so students and pastors, to do evangelism on OSU's campus? I think the first thing I can think of is pretty practical. If you're a gal, you reach out to gals. If you're a guy, reach out to guys. It's pretty standard. Um, so that's more like a practical thing that just came to mm-hmm. mind. Why is that? Well... I think for one, um, gals, I know for, for me as a woman, I feel a lot safer 
being approached by a stranger that is also a woman than being approached by a stranger who's a man. Um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is, I just think in the Bible, um, that was pretty readily uh, seen, is that Jesus chose men to follow him. There was also women, um, but... I think there's just a level of accountability, a level of deep trust. Um, I think to just more on a practical side, if you want to hear more thoughts about this, listen to our like singleness and dating podcasts. But um, guy-girl relationships can get tricky. Um, so, I mean, I've heard of girlfriends or boyfriends doing Bible studies with their girlfriend or with a close gal friend. Um, or just spending a lot of time one-on-one and very, very often one, at least one of those people ends up developing feelings. And so that just gets complicated. And really what we want people to experience is Jesus and not be, not get as distracted (laughs) by people. So, um, I think that's, do you guys have any more thoughts about that? I think um, as a it's a good good um, rule general to, general rule to follow. However, I think in one thing that you said though, it's like it's about what relationships you have, and like you can whether they're guy a guy or a girl, you can be evangelizing to the relationships you have. Mm-hmm. It looks different. And you got to be careful. <laughs> oh, that's a what, good way yeah. to put it. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, being, I've not had this happen to me, but like I've had friends who are women who found me very attractive. And I'm like, oh, no, I think of you as a friend. And I may have needed to be a little bit more reserved in how I conducted myself with you. And so there is something to be thoughtful. It's, there is definitely something to be thoughtful about. And definitely, if you're going up to random people, you should definitely prioritize same gender. So, um, I would agree. So, I, I very much agree with that. <laughs> but it's like, you know, oh, I have a friend who's not a Christian, and we've been friends for a while. Like, you know, they, she sits next to me, or he sits next to me in class, and, you know, it sparked up a conversation. And it's pretty, it's like, you, you are always. This is how I I try to, like, I'm not good at this, okay? But I am always evangelizing. Like, the life I live represents Jesus. Uh, I really appreciated what Christian said last night, where it's like, when I offend a non-Christian, ultimately they see Jesus offending them. And so I'm always representing Christ. Um, But... Once one thing, uh, yeah, and you're just always representing Jesus. And also, like, I really would encourage you to just apologize. I cannot tell you, I really do believe that, like, us as Christians being able to be like, you know what, I messed up and I offended a non-believer and I can apologize for that mm-hmm. is a huge statement about, like, how faithful we are following him. Um, just recently, I was... Um, uh, having dinner with some students, uh, and I've known them for a while, and we're pretty decently close to all of them. 
and uh, we got into a philosophical conversation about something and um, uh, a number of the one of these guys was not a Christian and we got into a philosophical conversation about moral relativism and stuff like that and uh, it's it's um, something I've found that I have to be careful about that I'll start talking on the 300 level philosophy thing and they're talking on the 100 level and they don't realize it and they just feel like they're being browbeaten mm. and uh, and like the conversation I could just tell that my tone was not constructive or helpful and I went up to that student that I had talked to and the conversation was like 40 or 45 minutes long and I knew enough about this this student that I was like I know enough about his home life that this is pretty much how every Christian has talked to him his whole life mm -hmm. and so I went up to him later and I like spent 15 minutes basically just apologizing to him and explaining to him like what I did and I like recognizing that I did something that hurt him that probably hurt him and um and he teared up a little bit. So I'm like, oh, I probably hit a chord there. And like that is an evangelistic moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like to put yourself under and serve someone in the way by like, hey, you know what? I, I'm a screw up just like everybody else. But I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to be actually known and open about my messed up mm -hmm. actions and stuff like that. So, yeah. So. Yeah, I think... I think, you know, with, like, movies, like, God's Not Dead 1 through 19. <laughs> um, how many are, are there now? I, there's, like, five there's, or something. Seriously? Are there? Oh, yeah, there's more than one. I know that there's more than one. I didn't I think, think there was like, that many. I think the pastor now is, like, testifying in front of Congress in front of the new one. Oh, my. It's, oh like, my really word. good. It's, like, oh leveling up. But anyway, not speaking I've, I've bad against I've not seen any he's of not them. Seen if you don't like, if you like them, then I'm not saying anything bad about it. I remember the first one coming out when I was in the philosophy department and all my professors were like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, but the main point being like, I feel like those movies depict a certain level of evangelism as like a win-lose game. Mm -hmm. Like evangelism is about winning or losing an mm -hmm. argument, which I think is what Nathan mm -hmm. was in some ways even alluding to. Like there's a sense of win or lose and now I will tell you this evangelism is well, there's a lot of it it's about persuasion persuading like we you know when we do evangelism we're trying to persuade people like looking at them as equals that can make their own decisions we're not forcing anybody we're not mm -hmm. trying to kill or compel anybody we're not even trying we're not trying to trap anybody like we want people like God Jesus wants people to voluntarily choose to follow him and it's not even just an intellectual thing it's like with their life to choose to love Jesus that's what that's what the end game is you know there's a lot of people that come to Jesus without any intellectual idea of, of following Jesus they just have learned to love him um, but there's a lot of people that are intellectually drawn to him also but they also need to learn to, to love him it's not good enough just to intellectually be proven so we're not ultimately it's not about winning an argument and I think mm -hmm. that's one thing that I just want to throw out there and it's really about trying to represent Jesus to somebody else opening up our lives so that they can see Jesus and and give them a chance to taste and see who Jesus is on their own and help them make a good decision Sometimes that means reading the Bible with them. 
It might mean inviting them to fellowship or inviting them to core, um, talking with them about where their faith is at, what, what they believe in. Um, a lot of it, it's a lot of question asking. It's a lot about telling about our own lives. Sometimes it's about answering these very serious, intellectual, mm-hmm. important questions um, in a persuasive way, you know. But sometimes we won't have the answers to those, and it's okay to say I don't know the answer. And so I just, I really would like to encourage us to think that it's not a fight or an argument, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it is a. It, it doesn't mean it's devoid of persuasion, mm-hmm. but it's not something to win or lose. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in Chi Alpha, we we say that if we're going to go out and do evangelism, like as an event, um, as a, as a regular practice, like that's something we encourage our leaders to do. And we encourage every person to do in our fellowship is just to dedicate some time every week to go out and do some evangelism and try to meet somebody you don't know. You know, um, Mm -hmm. Paul prioritized the absent, right? He went from a city where he knew people and he went to a city he didn't know anybody. Jesus said, I've, I've preached the message here. People are following me. There are people following me here. I'm going to go to a place they haven't heard about me. Part of the Christian impetus is that we're supposed to go to people that don't know about Jesus and don't know us. So we just encourage everyone to like sometime during the week, go up to somebody you don't know and open up a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Try to start a new relationship. And what would make, we have two things that would make that a positive um, evangelistic like moment the two things are first that at some point you represent that you follow Jesus Um, and maybe even have some kind of a Jesus conversation or bring up Jesus in the conversation right in the first conversation it's important that you establish that with this person like you're communicating to them like hey when I talk with you I talk about Jesus you know, so that they don't feel like, oh, where'd Jesus come from? You know, after you hang out with them three months or something like that, they're like, mm. hey, you're talking about Jesus all of a sudden a lot. You know, you don't want to make people feel trapped or like you've not been honest about to who see you are or something. Or something. Mm. Yeah, we want to share about that. We're Christians right away. And I like to talk about Jesus right away. doesn't mean every time you're going to hang out with this person, you have to talk about Jesus. But we need to do it the first time so that it isn't a weird issue or weird thing to talk about in the future. Um, the second thing is that we want to move people to a point of decision. And that means like moving them closer to Jesus in one way or another. That could mean um, that we like, we say, hey, would you want to meet up with me again? That's, that's, it's asking them to, to move closer to Jesus in the sense that I, I want to start a relationship with this person ongoing thing. Would you like to, would you like to hang out again and talk again about stuff like this? Um, so asking them that question or, or saying, Hey, would you like to go to core? Would you like to try a Bible study with me? Or would you want to come to fellowship that we're asking them a question to like pursue? Would you want to read the Bible with me? You know, would you like to receive Jesus? That would be like a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but every conversation doesn't have to have that one. Like it's just about taking a point of decision to go to a new step closer to Jesus. I think another really loved that, Christian. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think something else that's really important um, when we go out, especially at OSU, is just really wanting 
having a genuine desire to get to know someone, mm-hmm. um, a genuine desire to be like, like when you ask their major, when you ask what they're passionate about, what they love to do, what they love to do for fun, when you ask those kinds of questions, it comes out of a genuine heart. Um, and I really do th- think a lot of people, like even if they aren't Christians, can ask those things with a genuine heart, um, with genuine motives. But um, I think a temptation with evangelism can be, oh, we're like getting to know people and we're doing kind of like getting that stuff out of the way so that we can get to a spiritual mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's dangerous because um, that means that we are cheapening, almost cheapening the person in front of us, their value. Um, and when you think about it, when Jesus met people, because he was also God, he knew everything about them even before he talked to them. So a story that comes to mind is when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, and he knew already that she had had five husbands and the six she wasn't even married to yet that she was living with. And so he knew all these things about her, but his his purpose of talking to her was to really really just to like see her and love on her and and then to tell tell her about himself um and so yeah i think that's just something to like be cautious of i think especially osu culture um there are a lot of people with a lot of different kinds of interests um and it really is a joy to meet up with people and to meet someone new. Um, but I found in my personal life and my personal evangelism, it's really hard to have that joy because it feels like something I have to do mm-hmm. instead of something that I get to do. That's something my mom always told me um, about, about chores, about anything that I had to do. Like, oh, I have to go stack wood. Oh, I have to go clean the chicken pens. Like, no, you go, get to you get to go do that. And that really changes your mindset. And so this past couple of weeks, I've been really praying, Lord, help me see these people that I'm going to talk with as your kids that you delight in. And then teach me how to delight in them as you do. Um, and that's that's a big heart shift. And that's a challenge. Um, but we don't do this because it's easy. We don't do this because it's easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of echoing something I think Anna said is like one of the first one of the most important things I think when you're starting a relationship or you have like an evangelistic relationship is like enjoying the other person. Yes. Like you meet someone and just like, and I can't tell you how to do it. It's like an internal state of like, no, I'm, I enjoy this person. It's not that they don't do things that frustrate you sometimes, but it's like, no, this person, I enjoy being with this person. Um, if I'm not, if I don't have that kind of posture towards that other person, I'm kind of failing to represent Christ's posture towards them because God enjoys those that he's made and those he loves. And again, even though we frustrate him and upset him sometimes, like he ultimately enjoys and delights in us. And so just if you're succeeding in enjoying the other person, like that's a huge step in building like a relationship that's, um, one that will uh, produce the opportunity to talk about tense things. If your relationship is all about like tense 
philosophical issues and all that stuff, it's probably going to fall apart. But if you like, oh no, like I enjoy you. I talk to you because I enjoy you. I talk to you because like you're important. Mm -hmm. Then you as a person become enjoyable and important to them. And thus, and if you're representing Christ, then it means that Jesus is enjoyable and important to them. So, I think the only way you can do that is by allowing yourself to be transformed or changed. Mm -hmm. So looking more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I think, too, part of it is, like, in real relationships, we don't have an end in Mm -hmm. mind. So, like, like Mm -hmm. prioritizing, like, trying to point somebody towards Jesus can definitely, should definitely be part of every relationship a Christian has. And so what we, you know, while at one level we're saying like you need to purposely go out and make relationships with people for the gospel um that's true and that you have the power to like continue to bring up Jesus mm-hmm. with this person but one of this one of the things that we didn't say would make a successful evangelism time or relationship is that the person is going to say yes to Jesus mm-hmm. that's not really something that's within our control and oftentimes it's something that's a long process mm-hmm. um, and it takes patience and it takes, it, it really, a lot of it even depends upon the other person's choices. And so, um, so we can't guarantee what they're going to do. And, and when, if we are like, well, this relationship needs to start looking like this, like, you know, I'll meet with them three times and then I'm going to ask them to receive Jesus. And if they don't, I'm going to find somebody else. That's really not the kind of relationship Jesus calls us to, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you guys leave college, you're going to have relationships that you're going to be working on people for decades. You know, my dad, Mm -hmm. he, um, I, I prayed for my dad. I talked to my dad about Jesus for, I became a Christian when I was 14 and my dad became a Christian when I was 34. So, um, you know, it was way way long time I was pressing you know I would have conversations of faith with my dad and after he became a Christian the change was so evident and one time he invited us to this this Eagles like me and my kids he's like oh yeah the Eagles they have a they have a really cheap breakfast and I was like okay sure it's like he's part of the fraternal organization of the Eagles or something like that (laughs) anyway so you go to this this place, you mean which like is the Boy Scout thing. It's like a, it's something like that. It's like some kind of like you pay into this like organization, and then you get these perks or whatever. Anyway, so you go to this, we go to the Fraternal Order of the Eagles to get this cheap breakfast, like this biscuits and gravy thing or whatever. But I didn't realize it was like an all-day bar. Also, it's like a bar that goes twenty-four hours a day or something like that. So my dad's just part of this thing. He's really young Christian or whatever. Anyway, so we're we're. We're at this place. I have like all my kids, like four kids, and we're eating. It's just like the weirdest place I've ever been, like a weird restaurant. And he's like, oh, yeah, and Doug Byron, he's going to come. And I'm like, who's Doug? You know, he's he's also a member of the Eagles, you know. And I've interacted with this guy a few times, and he's just kind of come off as like pretty hard. I mean, his name is Doug Byron, for goodness sake, you know. And he's a construction guy, and he's just kind of tough and stuff. And so he comes and sit by us and – and our, we've had some good conversations, but they've always been kind of like brash. And he seems to me pretty like, like, you know, and I'm a pastor. So sometimes I interpret that as like, uh, they don't like talking to pastors, you know? So my dad gets up to pay 
for our breakfast. And then Doug leans over to me and says, isn't it amazing how your dad's changing? I'm like, what's he talking about? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, the difference is crazy. I've been praying for your dad for seven years. I've been talking to him about Jesus for, for wow. so long. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like you're talking to my dad about Jesus, you know? And this guy who I thought was like basically a, a sliver away from a cold stone criminal turns out to be like an associate pastor of this church that I didn't know was like coming around, meeting with my dad, praying for my dad, working with my, but didn't give up on him for seven years. And, and, you know, he was a part of the story. I was a part of the story, but there were other parts of the story with my dad. And like, we don't know what role we're going to play when we, we step into things. And I've had so many relationships with students that we meet for a season, three, four months, a year. And I don't know how it ends. Um, there's one student I met a couple of years ago. He was somebody who had sit down and he would just like swear. I brought up, have you ever tried, you see my anger. You ever try to pray him when you're angry? He's like, I'm never praying. I don't go to those churches trying to control my life. He's a super angry person. And, um, our last meeting of his, of the year that we came down and he was swearing, he's saying all kinds of derogatory things about women. I was like, I think I need to get up from this because the people are going to come by. But aren't you one of those pastors? How can you sit with a guy like this? I was like getting ashamed with the way he was talking about women. It was really vulgar. And Jesus said, like, you know, I sat around vulgar people and people thought I was sketchy, too. How do you think it felt for me to be sitting with them? Mm-hmm. And I was really convicted. And I just decided to listen. And then he said the word love, the other, the guy I'm talking to. And I said, Hey, how, what, how would you like someone to love you? And all of a sudden the whole conversation changed and I was able in that conversation to share about how God loves us unconditionally and how, what, what true love is really like. And he didn't become a Christian. I don't know where, how, where he's doing right now, how it's going, but we left that conversation as he left. He, he just really uncharacteristic for him. He said, Hey Christian, I really want to tell you the last few months we've me. It's really meant a lot to me and uh, just really appreciate the things you said today. And uh, I hope you have a good summer. And I don't know what happened to that guy, but I don't know what his story is going to go, but we just can't, we can't rewrite it for them or can't dictate how it's going to go. So. Well, I think that's all we got this week, folks. Make sure to tune in next week. We'll be talking about Christian martyrs. Um, if you have any other questions or topic ideas, feel free to reach out to me at Anna at OregonStateXA.com. And remember, as you go into this next week, Jesus lovingly transforms us and calls us into the unknown. 